Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and I'm so glad that you've decided to join us. As always, of course, today is our day to talk all things about gardening. And it's actually the last Saturday of the month. Believe it or not, May is nearly concluded. And that means that we are answering your questions today. Yes, this is our Q&A week, so we've got a great question from Jonathan, um, who's going to be... uh, needing some help propagating plants and I think this is a great time to to think about propagating plants it's very timely and of course you know at the nursery of course Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch Georgia where you can find me throughout the week we are propagating a number of plants and it's so timely for this time of year I think sometimes we forget that as gardeners part of the job of being a gardener is propagating plants So we'll give a brief overview on the different types of propagations you can make in the landscape. Of course, that means free plants, essentially. You don't have to go to the box stores. You don't have to go to the garden centers and local plant nurseries. You can grow plants yourself, of course, and it's a great experience. It's a a great thing to do because, of course, it brings about some satisfaction. Now, with propagating plants, there will be successes and there will be failures, so we don't want to uh, uh, get too downtrodden. But with that in mind, last week we talked about propagating plants as well. We were talking about growing plants from seed, and uh, that is one way, of course, to make more plants for free or cheap at least. But today we're going to talk about making cuttings and things like that. So I hope between last week and this week, you are geared up and ready to start propagating your own plants. Well, gang, like I said, this is the last Saturday of the month. We're nearly going to be halfway through the year. Have you been thinking about the goals you made at the beginning of the year for your garden and landscape? And have you been checking those goals off? I know me personally, I've got a few goals. One of them is to finish out some new beds that we've uh, sort of started constructing. We've got to mulch them. And, you know, when I'm creating a new bed, my first thing is to control the weeds before we start planting. Because in this case, these new beds at my place are going in the middle of some lawn areas. Well, it's not beautiful lawn. It's mainly just green weeds and whatnot. But again, a lawn to me is Hey, if it's green, it's a lawn. So we're having to uh, control the weeds, get those under control. I have found that by mulching those beds in fall and over winter and just smothering the leaves with a nice thick layer of mulch or the, the leaves of the weeds, smothering them has eradicated most of the weeds. But in some of the beds, I didn't get all the mulch spread over the winter. So now I'm battling very fast-growing weeds because 
Things are warm. We've had decent rainfall, maybe a little on the dry side this week. But regardless, uh, these weeds are growing fast. So trying to smother them is going to be difficult. And so trying to get them under control in other means, maybe by tilling, of course, if you're okay with using certain uh, chemistries, and there are some organic things that you can use that are liquids uh, that can be applied to foliage to at least kill them back, if not kill them all the way to the root, as they say. But that's one of my goals, and I'm nearing the end of a large new bed that we've created. Then we'll probably sporadically throughout the growing season plant some things, but of course, Really, the planting for me will probably have to be done over fall and pushing into winter because I don't want to have to water them all summer long. So we may just use this season to continue to control weeds that may pop through the mulch in these new beds and then, of course, um, keeping the mulch nice and thick. But then when fall comes, we will be able to start planting so that next spring, We should have some nice new baby plants growing uh, in these brand new beds. So I hope that you have a list of things for 2023 that you want to do and have accomplished. Because remember, we're nearly halfway through it. We've got one more month or so and we will be uh, halfway through 2023. But, you know, I've always told you and reminded you, even through winter, when we're uh, talking on our winter shows That the landscape always demands something. There's always something that can be done and needs to be done any time of the year. As long as you time your pruning right and time your fertilizing right and your watering right, uh, you can mulch any time of the year. Of course, you can plant over winter with great success rates. So we've got time, but every day that passes is an opportunity lost, isn't it? <laughs> so today, of course, let's jump right into our question uh, for today's Q&A week from Jonathan. Uh, in summary, it sounds like his, he has received a hydrangea plant uh, at the, the passing of his mother, which I can relate to that. The same thing happened to us. And when, at my mother's funeral, a loved one sent us a hydrangea plant, uh, which I think is a wonderful thing to do to memorialize someone, to give a living plant. Yes, cut flower arrangements are nice, but they do only last days. Whereas if you give a friend who may have lost someone uh, in their family or in your circle of friends, if you give them a living plant, whether it's a shrub like a hydrangea, maybe a rose, uh, perhaps a tree, those plants can be used and planted in the landscape and, of course, will be a constant reminder of the ones that we lost but yet we still love. So he has this hydrangea, and it sounds like he is looking to make more of this hydrangea, and he wants some tips and ideas on how to propagate it successfully so that he can have a beautiful spray of this hydrangea that, of course, will memorialize uh, his mother. So when it comes to propagating plants, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and just kind of understand that word because we rarely hear the word propagation in any other thing than propagating plants. However, I do have some old historical agricultural books and back in the day these books were written late 1800s. They were using the term propagation for uh, any kind 
of crop or animal. So the propagating of cattle, the propagating of chicken, the propagating of um, pigs, whatever. So the idea, of course, of propagation, and I think that we should probably go to a dictionary. Let's do a dictionary definition. Uh, Number one here, to cause an organism to multiply by any process of natural reproduction from the parent stock or to reproduce as an organism does. Let's see, what's another good one? Of course, uh, some other ways you may use propagation is uh, to spread a report, a doctrine, a practice, etc., from person to person to disseminate, right? So that's a different kind of propagating, propagating ideas, multiplication of ideas. But when it comes to plants, um, the idea is we're multiplying a plant from the parent stock through a natural reproduction process. And some of the ways that we can propagate plants uh, are really divided into two categories, either sexual reproduction, sexual propagation, or asexual propagation. The sexual propagation, of course, comes from the idea of seeds. We talked about that last week. The beauty of propagating plants by seeds is that you will have a variety of offspring. This is the way humans reproduce. We don't reproduce asexually. Uh, We reproduce with our children. And so think of it this way. When you are growing the seeds of a particular plant, it may have genetics that look like its mother, its father, a little bit of both. Maybe it's grandmother, grandfather. Think of your, your own children or children you may know. Do they look exactly like the father? Not exactly. Maybe some of them do. Do they look exactly like the mother? No, not all of them, but they may have some of the characteristics. And then in many cases, like say with with my second child, Ezra, he's going to be two in the fall. His baby pictures looks like my wife's baby pictures to some degree, but she has dark hair and he has blonde hair and fair skin. (laughs) But then if you look a little closer as he's older and maturing a bit, he kind of looks like some baby pictures from my father. And of course, that would be his grandfather. So whenever you are reproducing, propagating plants uh, by sexual means through the sowing of seed, just know that those seedlings may not all look alike. Now, in the world of seeds, there are some seeds that we call true-to-type seeds. And true-to-type seeds or true-to-type plants are uh, seeds that generally are going to look like the mother. So many tomatoes are this way because tomatoes pollinate themselves, and we've sort of stabilized those genetics in the heirloom tomatoes particularly. But it does not mean that there won't be a few that might be shorter, might have bigger flowers, bigger fruits, different color fruits, different, uh, you know, there may be some slight differences. And that is a good way to uh, try to find a new color uh, of, of a flower or a new color of a leaf. You know, that is a good way to try and diversify the look in your landscape. But when it comes to propagating plants asexually through uh, different means that we'll talk about. That is going to be a case where your baby plants look exactly like the mother. 
When we propagate plants asexually, we are actually creating clones. We are creating clones. We're creating plants. I know the the world of clones, it's like a sci-fi term, still is a sci-fi term. You know, they have cloned. Remember Dolly? She was a sheep. They cloned a sheep. So genetically speaking, that sheep was just like the, say, mother that the clump of cells came from originally. I don't think Dolly made it too long. I can't remember how many years she made it. But in the world of plants, it's very uncommon for uh, us in the you know, animal kingdom where we're humans and we have dogs and cats. It's, we don't really understand this idea of genetic clones, that genetically all the offspring are the same. But in the world of plants, it's very common. It's very common. This happens out in the wild all the time. Uh, of course, you think of an oak tree dropping seedlings. Well, those seedlings would be genetically different. But if a young oak tree falls over in the forest, okay, and now the trunk is laying along the ground, the roots are still somewhat intact, keeping that plant alive. What you may find from time to time is that along the length of the stem that is now laying across the earth, that little plants start popping up along that stem. You will have a young shoot and uh, leaves attached to roots that are starting to grow. Now, that's a form of layering, which we'll talk about. But basically, a branch laying over on the soil can generate new roots along the stem and new leaves, trunks, uh, that kind of thing. And you can have brand new plants. So this does happen out in the landscape. And many plants are prone to producing suckers. And see, suckers are things that will pop off of the, uh, think of a good native plant, uh, Virginia sweet spire. Virginia sweet spire is probably finishing up blooming in your landscape if you've got it at, at your house. Um, but it creates these wonderful suckers that just pop off of the root system and it spreads left to right. It spreads uh, 360 degrees with new stems and new roots, which could be divided and grown as individual plants. And the idea is that all of those plants that are attached to that mother rootstock are genetically the same. So when we get back from this break today, we're going to answer Jonathan's question. We're going to help him propagate that plant, that hydrangea plant that was given to him at the passing of his mother, so that all the new plants he makes will have the same exact characteristics as the mother plant that he made those cuttings from. So hang on tight. We've got more to talk about on growing your own free plants when we get back. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Give it a 
So gang, uh, this morning is our Q&A week here on New Southern Garden, and we are answering Jonathan's question, who uh, recently, his mother has passed away, and someone in the family or a friend had given a hydrangea plant uh, in memory of her, and of course, that's a great way to memorialize people is through plants, because plants generally, trees and shrubs in particular, they last longer than, than we do. So they will be around for a long time. They definitely last much, 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 much longer than a beautiful flower floral arrangement, which you lucky you might get a couple of weeks out of. But of course, these plants are going to be able to endure the test of time and can be uh, in our spaces and in front of our eyes showing off their beautiful flowers to remind us of our loved ones for many decades. But his question is basically, how do I propagate it? What are some good tips to make sure that I can make more of the same hydrangea that was given to me? And um, so before the break, we were talking about the difference in, in plant propagations. Of course, you can propagate or make more of, multiply your stock by growing plants from seed, but that does bring in a question of genetic diversity, uh, which you will have differences in probably each plant that you, uh, each seed that you sow. Some of them may look very similar, but there will be a few that have different shades or colors of flowers or heights, uh, sizes, uh, widths, Whatever, there could be a number of genetic differences. But by growing plants, propagating them with cuttings or division and whatnot, asexual propagation methods, you can achieve to produce an entire group of genetically similar plants. And the nursery industry banks on this. The fact that we can grow plants from cuttings and, uh, say, root cuttings, stem cuttings, leaf cuttings, divisions, layering, all these methods... Th that is a good way for the nursery to make sure that when people are shopping, that they are buying plants that will look similar. So there is a bit of uniformity in the landscape, and there is a bit of um, repetition that things do blend well. So we've been using that in the nursery industry for as long as the nursery industry has been around. But there are some great modern research that's come around to help us improve growing plants uh, in this way. And we'll talk about some of that when we get to the logistics of how to do this. So when it comes to asexual reproduction of plants or propagation, there are different types, and I've already alluded to some of them. The first one, and probably simplest, is division. Division is where we're literally dividing a plant into pieces, smaller pieces. Now, most of the time, division only works for plants that have multiple stems uh, or multiple sets of leaves that we can divide. And the idea with division is that we are literally dividing the plant. We are trying to keep leaves and stems connected to roots. So every division that we make will be a self-growing plant. It will have all the necessary plant parts uh, for a plant to continue to grow. So division works with certain plants. Say in the perennial world, any grasses that you may have divide very well and easily, usually. Uh, Liriope, you know, monkey grass, those kinds of plants. Anything in the lily family, usually daylilies are mainly uh, reproduced by division, propagated by division. So think of those things that clump. Now, 
When it comes to shrubs, some shrubs can be divided, and hydrangea is one of those, but it may take several years to have a nice clump of stems that can easily be divided into pieces and still maintain a bit of the root system below the earth. So for Jonathan, for your case, uh, division may not be... uh, may not be ideal now because it sounds like you've just been recently been given a hydrangea plant and there's probably only a few stems and they're probably all pretty well connected. But over the years, uh, I've divided a I've plenty of hydrangeas, but they've been in the ground, they've been growing for many years, and it's quite brutal to divide a hydrangea this way because there's so much woody material. But when it comes to your um, perennial plants that are herbaceous and easy to uh put a knife to, (laughs) then that is a surefire way to make more uh, perennial plants through division. Now, of course, cuttings, and we will be talking more details about cuttings specifically for for your uh, hydrangea, Jonathan. But in the world of cuttings, you can have a stem cutting, which is probably the most common. You can do leaf cuttings, which work for a smaller number of plants. Uh, many of the tropical plants, like some of the begonias, can root very readily and produce new plantlets from just a leaf itself. Um, in the world of house plants, African violets, that's usually a common method to produce them is to remove a stem, place the stem below the soil, uh, don't let it rot, don't keep it too wet, but in several weeks you'll have a new little group of uh, leaves and stems coming off of the base of that stem leaf. Um, And then roots, of course. Making cuttings from roots works very well for certain plants. Some trees and shrubs can do this, but we do find in the perennial world that uh, root cuttings can be a great way to produce new plants. And then there are some strange ways of producing plants asexually or propagating them asexually is through layering. And this happens naturally in the woods all the time where a low-hanging branch touches the earth, touches the soil, and where the stem is touching the soil new roots will generate and you can encourage certain plants to do this hydrangeas are a good plant to make a layering of all we would do of course is uh, find a low-hanging branch uh, making sure that it can make good contact with the soil i like to dig a little cat hole if you will and bury the stem into uh, the soil there maybe placing a rock on top of that stem area so that the stem doesn't pop out of the soil but in about a year's time it takes a bit for this layering to do its job but usually in a year's time you will have a new plant uh, to to dig out and put into your garden beds i like to do layering with plants that um, i don't need a lot of because of course there's only a a a number of low-hanging branches or stems that you can uh, do this on with any individual plant but it's sort of like a you know, hands-off approach. All you have to do is make that first layer, just dig the little hole, bury the stem, cover it with a rock or a brick, something heavy to keep it below the earth, and you just walk away. And in a year's time, you'll have some new plants. So, uh, but today we're going to talk about making stem cuttings on hydrangeas. Now, this is more hands-on, and it does take a bit more uh, finesse and detail, maybe, uh, a little more attention than just layering uh, branches under the earth. But with hydrangeas, they root very readily by making stem cuttings. 
I will say that I have rooted hydrangea cuttings in a glass of water. So I just simply remove the cutting and put it in a mason jar, fill it with water. I do like to change the water out fairly regularly because the water tends to grow sort of a slime. I don't know if it's some kind of algae. I hope it's not a bacteria. But in many cases, those stems being submerged in water, uh, they do rot. So you don't have 100% success. But by um, making a stem cutting and putting it in a media, you will have more success. And there are actually uh, a number of things that the stem needs while it is rooting. Um, So I'll talk about those and get into those details as we go along. So when it comes to making a stem cutting, um, I'm going to give you general, general information. Not every plant produces roots off of a stem cutting very readily. And you can always do research online. There's some great books on propagating plants. Uh, To find a protocol is what we say, a protocol for individual plants that you may be interested in growing. I will say, though, Jonathan, don't worry. Hydrangeas are very easy to grow from stem cuttings. Pretty much any of the hydrangeas, probably two of the hardest hydrangeas to grow from stem cuttings will be um, maybe smooth hydrangea uh, to some degree, uh, which is our native hydrangea, and another native oak leaf hydrangea, a little more finicky. But if you're looking to grow the blue and pink hydrangea, which is a Japanese one, the the big leaf hydrangea, it's relatively easy. Or if you are looking to grow um, um, panicled panicled hydrangea, that's the the white cone flower. That will be the kind of cone flowered shape um, blossom. Those are very, very easy to root. So when we get back from this break for the second half of the show, we will be talking about how to take and prepare your cuttings. And then we'll be talking about the rooting environment what you need to provide that little baby cutting while it is trying to generate roots. Hang on tight, gang. We've got more ways to propagate and make free plants for your landscape. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. So, gang, here on New Southern Garden this morning, of course, this is the last Saturday of the month, so it is our Q&A week, and our question today comes from Jonathan, who is trying to propagate a hydrangea plant, and we've already talked about the different different types of ways to propagate plants through seeds and through um, cuttings, division, layering, uh, all those ways that we can propagate more plants. And, of course, uh, maybe it's not exactly free, but it's nearly a good way to produce free plants, very cheap. All you may need is some potting soil and some rooting hormone, uh, a Ziploc bag. I'll talk to you about why a Ziploc bag is important today. And you can get more plants and free plants essentially in your garden. So the very first thing when we're talking about stem cuttings, uh, that's the way we're going to propagate Jonathan's hydrangea because hydrangeas root readily from stem cuttings. But we do need to remove the cutting at a certain point on the plant and we need to do a few things to it to prepare it to be ready to start uh, growing roots. Now, the first thing when we're taking a cutting 
is that we probably want a piece of stem that is four to six inches in length. And I always go this time of year. This time of year is a great time because we've got a lot of green growth, um, softwood, semi-hardwood, and all of those um, types of wood, kind of the young juvenile wood that comes out in the spring and early summer is readily ready to grow roots. It's ready to grow. It's ready to do stuff. It's very active. Yes, you can take cuttings from uh, hardwoods over winter. Some plants do that wonderfully, and some plants don't do that very good, uh, very well. Uh, So now is a good time to really, generally talking about any plant, to start making cuttings. And so when we're looking at our hydrangea plant, we probably want to look for the tip growth, uh, that greenest, kind of softest wood that we can. And we want to remove maybe four to six, maybe four to six uh, inches of the tip growth. Now, with that being said, where do I remove this from the plant? Um, Where do I make my cut? That is the very first step into preparing this cutting. Once you've sort of done the measuring, four to six inches, you want to remove the stem right below a node. A node. That word is N-O-D-E, node. And that is the point on a stem where there are buds and usually, especially in hydrangeas, where there are leaves. So cut the stem, uh, remove the stem right below a node, making a sharp, clean, uh, straight cut along that area. Now that is going to be the place, that node there is going to be the place where roots will form. Okay, so now you have your cutting in your hand and you've got that clean cut at the bottom right below a node. Then in order to prepare the cutting to get it ready to root and and ready to go, we do want to remove the lower leaves, particularly from that lower bud. Now with hydrangeas, I'll throw in this side note, with hydrangeas, I like to have one node below the earth, below the soil we're going to use to propagate in. And I like to have one node, at least one node, above the soil. So with that in mind, once you remove those lower leaves from that bottom node, go to the top of the cutting. And the idea is we need to remove the very center bud, the very center bud, the very top most uh, extreme bud that you find. We need to pinch that back or trim that back. And I'll tell you why this is important. So, in the tip bud of a, any plant, you find a plant hormone that we call auxin. Now, the auxin does a lot of things for the plant. It tells the plant to grow straight and to elongate, uh, kind of following sunlight. But auxin also tells the plant to generate roots. Now, when this cutting is making this hormone it will send the auxin to the tip. Unless we remove the tip, that will tell the plant to send the auxin down the stem along the length of the plant, which is critical because now we're uh, we're encouraging the plant to move the auxin down lower where we want roots to form. And that auxin will signal to the plant it's time to grow roots. So you don't necessarily have to remove the tip, but I 
always do. And we see some great rooting um, happening when that auxin, that plant hormone, is allowed to travel down the length of the stem towards the base. Okay, so now we've, uh, we've, we've got our clean stem, we have the tip bud removed, and one thing that I like to do is to trim the top leaves. So the leaves you do leave on the cutting, I like to trim them maybe in half, particularly for hydrangeas. And the reason is because since our cutting, since our cutting <laughs> has been removed from its mother plant, it does not have roots to bring in more water. Remember, roots bring in water, but leaves release water as water vapor through little pores underneath the leaves. So the more leaf surface you have, then the more water loss you will have. And since this cutting does not have roots to bring in more moisture, then removing some of that leaf surface area will be critical in kind of reducing the amount of water loss. The number one reason why cuttings don't survive and produce roots is that they dry out and lose water before they start generating roots. So by trimming some of that green material back, we will be holding on to a little more moisture inside of the plant and trying to encourage it to root before it dries out. Now, we don't want to get rid of all the leaves because it's still, uh, that cutting still needs to be able to capture energy from the sun, to capture light, to produce carbohydrates and to produce food that will help to develop a new root system. So we need some leaves, but we don't need copious amounts of leaves. One thing that will help you maintain higher amounts of water in your cutting is by making your cuttings in the morning. You see, in the morning, before the sun gets really hot, plants are going to be full of moisture. They will be at their highest water content in the morning because by the time we go through the heat of the day, we even get into the afternoon and maybe early evening, you may see some plants kind of wilty a bit and then they recharge overnight. And that's where in the morning they have most of their water content ready to go. So, so far we have removed the plant, uh, removed the cutting from the plant right beneath a bud a node, then we have removed the tip, we have removed lower leaves, and we have trimmed the top leaves. And that, of course, is going to help prevent the water loss. Now, the next thing we probably want to do is to use a rooting hormone, a rooting powder of some kind. Now, keep in mind that the rooting powder that you buy in the garden centers or local plant nurseries that rooting powder, that rooting hormone is a synthetic. Most of the time it's a synthetic and it mimics the hormone auxin that we've already talked about. So by removing the tip bud, you're increasing the amount of auxin along the stem, but by dipping the base, that lower node, that lower bud on the base of your stem into a hormone, that will help encourage that area to become really full of auxin and that will signal to that part of the plant to start generating roots and developing a new root system. So now you have this clean, clean cut uh, stem. You've got a prepared cutting. It's dipped in a hormone and that hormone is going to again signal the plant to start developing roots. What is the next step? Well, the next step is to put the cutting in an environment 
that is going to encourage rooting. We want to put the cutting into an environment that encourages rooting that does not encourage drying out, does not encourage desiccation of that cutting. Before we go into the rooting environment discussion, I want to remind you, like I've just said, that a cutting has no roots. <laughs> a cutting is not really a plant. It's just a part of a plant. A stem cutting is a part of a plant without roots. So we have stems and leaves, but no roots. So it's not a true plant yet. It's just a portion of a plant. If you were doing root cuttings or something like that, that would be still not a plant, but plant part, a plant part, which of course would be the root without leaves, without stems. And with root cuttings, we're trying to encourage the development of roots. Uh, with a root cutting, we're trying to encourage the development of stems and leaves. Whereas with a stem cutting, which is what we're doing with our hydrangea this morning, we're trying to encourage the leaves and stems to produce roots. So what we need to do is put this plant part, just a small part of a plant, into an environment that is much different than an environment that your garden plants are in. Your garden plants are in full sun. Your garden plants are in soil. Your garden plants have a lot of moisture around the base of them, uh, down below in the soil. And some of these things we're going to flip and invert. The very first thing that we want to do is to have a media that our cutting can be stuck into that is soil-less. Soil from outdoors may have pathogens, bacteria, fungus, that can quickly invade that cut that you made at the base of the stem. So we want a media, first of all, that is fairly sterile with no bacteria or fungus in it. And potting mix is a great place to start. But in addition to a sterile media that is soil-less, we may want to make sure that there is um, more drainage, larger particles in this media. Pine bark is a good one. Now, peat moss works, but usually peat moss is partnered with perlite, which is a very large particle and, of course, is going to help drain. We do not want a rooting media that is going to stay wet and moist because a stem without roots can rot under wet condition. A stem with roots may be less likely to rot if the Drainage is poor, but we want really good drainage with our rooting media. No soil, no clay, but maybe uh, pine bark, uh, a mixture of pine bark with peat moss and perlite. Um, sand is a great way to uh, propagate plants in. Some people will use straight sand, but sand is quite heavy. And if you put these in large trays to propagate, it's hard to move uh, because of the weight. But sand, a mixture of sand with pine bark, um, you can find some great recipes online. I don't want to dwell on the details of just what kind of media. But the characteristics you're looking for are probably large particles in this media, drains well it needs to hold on to some moisture because once your plant starts rooting those new baby roots are going to need some moisture and so having a well-drained rooting media uh, it may need to drain a little more than your regular standard potting mix but regardless the idea is we don't want the stem to stay wet surrounded by moisture or rotting will surely 
occur. Now, the another step for this rooting environment is to consider consider the lighting conditions. We do not want to put our young well, our cuttings, our young baby plants, uh, our cuttings into full hot sun all day long. Remember, sun is going to encourage the leaves on your plant to lose water. And if we have a ton of sun on a cutting with no roots, there's no way to recharge. So indirect light, your leaves on your hydrangea cutting will still need some light, but we need indirect light and maybe a bit of shade even. Under a shady tree or a shade porch is a good spot or indoors is a good place to root your cuttings. When we get back, more on what rooting environment you need to create to make more free baby plants. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the new Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. So this morning, gang, on New Southern Garden, that was Eden Rose. She'll be she'll be four in the fall, in September. But she was encouraging us to give propagating plants a go. Of course, propagating plants yourself is a great way to increase the number of plants in your garden, especially if you've got a few plants you just love. Maybe somebody gave it to you. Uh, you don't know the name of it, so you can't go out and buy it to match it. There's a lot of reasons why you might want to propagate your own plants. But of course, no matter the reason, it's a very cheap way to do it. Uh, and of course, I've, I'm today giving you tips on uh, success to, to help you be successful in your propagating plant efforts. Before the break, we were talking about the kind of rooting environment that your new cutting needs. Of course, we want a light, well-draining um, uh, media, sterile, so there's no soil there that might have bacteria and fungus that would rot your cutting. You can stick your cutting into that and then place it in an area that gets indirect light. Now, this time of year, doing this outdoors will be okay. Maybe under a shady tree, uh, maybe under a shady porch, or you could continue to propagate plants inside really all year long. Uh, but regardless, you don't want it in bright, full sun because that will just encourage your little cutting uh, to lose copious amounts of water. And we're trying to maintain the water level inside of that cutting as much as possible. We don't want it to lose water faster than its rooting capability. So with that being said, there is something we can do, a few things we can do to encourage the cutting to maintain water. And that is uh, to create a humid environment around the leaves. 
Now, usually in the landscape, we want more humidity below the ground where the roots are and less humidity above the ground where the leaves are. Because, of course, when you increase humidity around plants' leaves, you do increase the possibility of rot and decay because that encourages uh, bacteria and fungus to start growing. But it's almost necessary when you're making a stem cutting to encourage a humid environment around the leaves. Now, in the nursery, we construct these propagation tents that are covered in plastic, and covering something in plastic is one way to trap moisture around it. Um, And we will also mist the leaves. We have kind of these uh, ridiculous misting systems where we're using kind of a drip irrigation system, uh, throwing fine um, speckles of water over the foliage. We're not really watering the plant as far as the soil, because remember, we want that to stay uh, fairly dry, um, maybe moist, but not wet. But we are just sending out seconds every few minutes of a fine mist that falls to the leaves and that thin layer of water on top of the leaves is going to help trap water inside of the leaves rather than water leaving the plant itself. So for the homeowner, of course, you could construct a kind of mist bed if you're really into propagating plants and you need to make a lot of them. Uh, But if you want to propagate a few things at a time, one of the easiest ways to... uh, trap moisture, uh, trap humidity around your stem cutting foliage is by a Ziploc bag or some kind of plastic bag. So if you make your cutting, put your cutting into a single solitary small pot, they don't need much soil to, uh, to root in, then once you have stuck your cutting into that pot, you can drape plastic over the top. And I've found that Ziploc bags are uh, kind of like a quart size, maybe a gallon size for some of the larger pots, but they're the perfect size to sort of open the bag, turn it upside down, and then cover the plant and let it let the uh, zipper part of the Ziploc bag hug the side of the pot. And that way, you know, the Ziploc bags are quite rigid plastic, particularly like a freezer bag, and they will stand upright and make sort of a little tent over the top of your cutting. And that usually is enough to trap, uh, trap moisture around the leaves. But one thing else you may do is mist your plants. You can use a spray bottle, and maybe in the morning on your way to work, you give the plant a mist, cover it with plastic, and go about your day. Then when you come home, remove the plastic, give the leaves a little mist just so there's a thin layer of water on top, and then cover cover it again. If you are doing this in indirect light and you're keeping that plastic bag over the top, you should find really good success from preventing your cutting from drying out before, of course, before the roots form. Now, one last tip that is not as critical, but it is very helpful when you are propagating plants or really growing seeds even. Trying to warm the soil up as much as possible, somewhere in the 70 degrees. It's not as critical, of course, uh, during the summer when it is warm, but in the shade, in the indirect light condition we're going to put our cutting, you may very well need to warm up that soil a bit. And you can find soil heating pads that look 
basically like a heating pad you may use for your elbow or your leg or some kind of injury. But these pads are watertight and waterproof so that you don't have that electrical water issue, you know. (laughs) I wouldn't recommend you use a regular heating pad because, of course, there will be moisture involved with this uh, propagation project you're working on. So you can find them easily online all over the place. I know that the Amazon, of course, Amazon's got everything you ever need probably, uh, and they do sell the soil heating pads. They're usually small enough. They can fit on a tabletop. So whether you're doing it on the porch, you can put it on a uh, patio table, or you can bring it inside in a um, kind of indirect sunny window and put it on a table there. But trying to keep the soil, uh, the, the media that you're propagating, in warm is going to encourage that rooting process to happen very quickly. Now, if you're doing this outside, uh, like we do at the nursery, we use a soil heating cable. We attach, it's just a, um, a, a cable, it looks like electric cable that gets warm. We attach it on a piece of hardware cloth that uh, we can grid it, grid it out, and then we put it underneath some uh, sand and then put our trays of propagation on top of that. And that helps to generate a very warm bottom because if you've got a warmer soil, you will see rooting happen much faster. So if you follow these steps, this process here, you would expect something like a hydrangea to start producing roots maybe two to four weeks. It will probably be rooted in in, in a month's time this time of year. What the plant is going to do first, this is really cool, uh, where you made your cut, that's a wound. And the plant's going to try to heal that. And it's also, because it's rooting, going to um, sort of turn into this white, thick, fleshy material that we call callus. Kind of like I play the guitar, so I've got calluses on my fingers, a hard, you know, hard tips where my touch the strings on the guitar. It's the same thing here. It's very hard, uh, but but very, uh, very bright white. And it's from this callus material that you're going to see roots start forming. If you check your cuttings um, in about three weeks, all you need to do is give them a tug. Give them a tug, try to pull them upwards, and if they resist your tugging, then they're probably rooted in, and it's ready to start fertilizing them, and then, of course, once they've filled that container that you've started them in, it would be time um, to maybe pot them up or plant them into the ground. So this weekend, I hope... I hope that you give growing your own plants, propagating your plants a go. Thank you, Jonathan, for your question on how to propagate that beautiful hydrangea you got in memory of your mother. For WRWH 93.9 FM and New Southern Garden, my name is Nathan Wilson. I hope you stay well and grow well. We'll see you next week. Happy Memorial Day. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.